Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. told me at first service, I got to look more in the camera. So I'm uh, <laughs> online. Sorry I missed you first service, but I love you. But welcome all the campuses, South Tampa. So excited to be here. If you don't know who I am, praise God. I hope you know who Jesus is by the end of the message. <laughs> but I am known around, uh, I'm pretty actually pretty well known around uh, Radiant. I'm known as Pastor Paula's husband. And uh, my wife is one of the executive leaders here and she's on staff. And I'm actually just a free agent for Jesus. I actually lead a ministry called Serving Beyond Borders where every month I'm overseas usually. And in fact, in a week or so, I'll be in Asia uh, doing ministry. And Pastor Aaron calls me out of the desert every once in a while to come in the pulpit because Pastor Aaron and I have completely different gifts. And his is the gift that you want in the pulpit about every week. Mine is the one you want in the pulpit about once a year. And so uh, this is that year. If you're a guest... uh, I'm glad you're here because you're going to hear an interesting talk, but come back next week. We encourage you because, man, at the movies, is it's interesting. I always think I'm going to get hit by lightning while I'm eating popcorn in church, but, man, <laughs> God uses it tremendously, and uh, come back next week. So uh, one last shameless plug because I've got the pulpit, so I'm going to, if you want to go deeper in your faith, we call it the radical Christian life. That's what my wife and I have been living for the last 40 years, and if you want to hear a, a people who've walked it, for 40 years, no scandal. You're not going to go on uh, Google and find scandals about us because we believe in walking well with Jesus, raising our family, four kids walking with Jesus. Lord willing, by a week now, we'll have 19 grandchildren. And, uh, and I don't, no, it, come on, it's not that hard, okay? Stay faithful and, and have sex. But anyways, that's how, that's how you do it. And our kids took that and be fruitful, multiply even better than us. But anyways, so I told you it's going to be a different message. And... Uh, we have a podcast called The Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paul on our platforms, and uh, we get good traction. It's just kind of countering all the nonsense we hear out there in the world, because there's a lot of nonsense. And so, and we honor the house here at Radiant, and so I want to honor a special group this morning. I want to honor the parking team at Radiant. They're some of the heroes. Yeah. When you leave today, honor them, because, you know, these people are out there sweating in the rain and the heat. I mean, you're doing parking in Florida in the summer. They're, there's got to be like the, the, the jewel of sweat that goes in the crown of heaven, you know, that you get when you're on the parking team. So give them a shout out when you leave here. And so now I'm going to use my gifts. And like I said, they're very dist- different than Pastor Aaron. So the first half of this sermon is going to be different. We're going to, I'm going to go reform theologian on you. And we're going to dig deep because I'm going to, I'm going to promote foundations. Any of my foundations people in here? Yeah. All over the campuses, there have been people shouting out right now because they went through foundations. If you don't know what foundation is, that is our Wednesday night program where we go deeper, where we learn the word of God. We're not going to get up here on Sunday morning and start explaining the Apostles' Creed to you, but there we do, okay? And that's where we want you to go to get further in your faith, and I'm going to talk more about that. So the first half, you're going to get a taste of it. And so all you who love foundations, man, you're going to love the first half of this message. If you didn't like foundations, well, you're stuck. But anyways, that's it. And then the second half, I'm going pure Pentecostal preacher. So that's when you get up. That's when you shout. If you know anything, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, so that is a huge joke that I'm going Pentecostal preacher on you. But I'm going to do it. And I'm telling you, it, something's happening here at Radiance. Something is happening. I mean, that worship, all the camp I mean, I love the worship set they put together. And man, that was awesome. And I'm just, I can't wait to just get done with this sermon so we can get back to worship. 
because that's how we're going to end it. So you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. Um, my wife, first service, she patted me and says, be calm. And I, like, I lost my mind at the end of the service, and I went on overdrive. So I went, you know, I went and drank some chamomile to call. No, I went and drank a Red Bull. So you guys are really, this could really be an interesting message. So, okay, take out your notes. I have a goal this morning. I have a clear goal of what I want to see happen. The goal this morning is by the preaching of God's word and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit, because that is how life has changed. It's not by me, how funny I am, how good I am, how much knowledge I have. That's nothing. It's about God's word and the power of the Holy Spirit. I am praying that you will find, now write this in, application for the meaning of your life. I want you to find application for the meaning of your life. Because what I have found is so many people have fulfilled the words of that great transcendentalist from the last century, Henry David Thoreau, where, where people, well, he wrote and said that the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. I heard that years ago and it stuck with me. And I look around and I meet so many men and women who are just leading lives of quiet desperation. They don't know what the meaning of life is. They flounder and we see it all come out. Everybody was panicking during the pandemic. Now they're panicking during inflations and everybody's worried and everybody's living in fear. And I'm like, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm different than the world. Let them freak out. I know who my God is. We should be different, but, but it's not happening enough in the church. And I want you to find application for the meaning of your life. Now, the great question is, wow, that's heavy. What is the meaning of life? I'm glad you asked. I actually preached a sermon on it. It was the pinnacle of my career, Radiant. I was ready to go home from the Lord. I like literally, take me home. Where's the rapture? Some people didn't like the message and they probably were hoping the rapture came because I called it out. The meaning of your life. And you can write it in your notes there. The meaning of life is to glorify God. Yeah. It's not about you. First Chronicles 16, 28, and 29, ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, not to you, not to radiant, the glory due his name. Come before him and bring an offering. Worship the Lord in the splendor of the beauty of holiness. Give him the glory. And that great book of Romans, that theological, the greatest theological book ever written, Romans, toward the end of chapter 11, when Paul lays out all this theology, before he goes into the application, he ends it by saying, oh, the riches of the depth, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable are his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor? Who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him? Now listen, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. To God be the glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, listen, church, do it all to the glory of God. Your life, the meaning of your life is to live for God's glory. Yes. Now, I want to preach more on that, but I've already done it. So you can go on Radiant's YouTube page or you can go on our YouTube page, Serving Beyond Borders. And I encourage you, if you don't know what your life's about, you need to watch, watch that message. I give verse after verse after verse showing you through scripture. Your life is to give God glory. Yeah. And you need to get that. Now, glorifying God starts with the gospel. There in your notes, 1 Corinthians 15, it's actually 1 through 4, where Paul talked 5, 1 through 5, Paul talks about this is the gospel I preach, this is the gospel why you're saved, and the gospel is this, Christ died for our sins and was raised on the third day. God loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son, the Messiah, the son of the living God, and, and he came so that he could take our sin. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us, all of us, all of us have gone astray and we turn to our own ways, but the Lord has laid on him our ugliness, our nastiness, our sin on him. And now we have forgiveness. Why? Because he's alive. He proved who he is. And like we always say at Radiant, anyone who predicts and pulls off his own death and resurrections, somebody you should listen to. But if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you are not a son or daughter of the living God, and if you don't know if you are, then you're not. Then you can't glorify God. You're still dead in your sins. Isaiah 59 is very clear. Your sins have separated you from God. Your iniquities have, have made a separation and your sins have caused his face to be hidden from you so he does not hear. That's why your life is quiet desperation and you don't find fulfillment because you're not living for God's glory, you're living for yourself. But that can change today because that's the good news of the gospel. Gospel means good news that you can have a new life in Jesus Christ. Amen, church? Okay, now here's the, what's different for me. I'm not preaching to the guests and to the visitors this morning. Pastor Aaron, that's our service, it's almost always, but once a year he brings me in to talk to the church. So we're gonna have a family talk, church and visitors, this is great, you get to kind of hear a family talk and it's gonna get intense. Because <laughs> I want our church not to live lives of quiet desperation, Amen. but to live for God's glory. But how, how, what's the application? Well, that's what we're gonna find out. Would you join with me in prayer, please? God, as your word says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, that was just my introduction. You ready? Yeah. Let's get into it. Okay. Because I love you, I'm, there's so many passages that all say the same thing, but because I love you, I'm going to give a simple passage that you can memorize. I was going to do Psalm 67, one of my favorite, but that was seven verses. I'm like, don't tax them, Doug. We want to get them in the foundations, not run away from it. But we're huge. We help you memorize scripture. I'm huge on memorizing scripture because it's God's word, right? Jesus used it to defeat the devil. Maybe I should too, right? So I think you can memorize Psalm 117. I have enough faith in you. It's the shortest, it's the shortest uh, Psalm in the Bible. Come on, Brandon. You can, even you and Gibsonton can memorize this, okay? People in Clearwater are like, what are you talking about? Hey, you got your Largo people. You can get it, okay? Okay. Hey, South Tampa, you get it. I'm a Sauger, South of Gandy. I mean, even I can memorize scripture, okay? All of us can memorize scripture, and you can memorize Psalms 117. It's there in your notes. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples, for great is his steadfast love toward us, for, toward us and, the, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Amen. Huh. That's pretty simple, but it's so profound. And now I want to go reform theologian. Let's dig deep. Let's go foundations on on you. Because in foundations, we teach a way to study the Bible. It's called OIA, observation, interpretation, application. Observation. Let's observe the text. What does it say? Interpretation. What does it mean? Application. So what? What does it mean to my life? So we're going to apply that this morning. We're going to do a little OIA. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Let's make some observations. Now, we can make many observations, but we can only make three because it's a sermon, and I got to preach a three-point sermon because that's what we do in the pulpit, right? Okay, so let's make the first observation. There in your notes, observation number one, the verse starts and end with the command to worship the Lord. It starts off, praise the Lord. It ends, praise the Lord. That's how it starts and ends. And it's a command. 
It's the word, you've probably heard this word in Hebrew, hallelujah. There's two words that I, every church around the world knows, hallelujah and amen. And most countries, when I stand up, I'll start off by saying hallelujah, and they all say amen. amen. And then I'll say amen, and they say hallelujah. Yeah, I hope you got that at the other, all the campuses there. <laughs> yeah. But here's what's funny. Do you know what hallelujah means? It means praise the Lord, okay? But here's what's interesting. Hallel, praise, you, plural, not just me praise the Lord, you praise the Lord, plural, because it's about community. I love here, we call people to Christ and to community and to calling. This individualistic, you know, God's all for me, it's all about me, no. Our Father who art in heaven, Christ died for our sins. We're the family, we're the church. And it's the community. And we're calling people to praise because halal praise is a command. You praise the Yah, Yahweh, the name of God, the divine name of God, praise the Lord. It's a command. It's so funny. I, I, I laugh how so many times the church, we're so ignorant of the very words we use. I'll hear people, oh, hallelujah, Lord. Oh. Why are you commanding the Lord to praise himself? That's not how you use hallelujah. It's a command. Now, what you do is when the preacher's preaching and it's really good, you say hallelujah because you're saying to your neighbors, let's praise the Lord, right? Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you. That's why I put my wife on the front row. There you go. You couldn't hear that at all the campuses. Yeah. See, we're so ignorant of the very words we use. You call people hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord. That's the command. That's how it starts and that's how it ends. And don't miss the Yah, the Yahweh. That's the divine name of God from Exodus 3.14 when Moses says, who should I tell the people? It sent me. And God says, and you can just picture you older people remember the movie, The Ten Commandments. I am who I am has sent you. <laughs> this sounds cool, right? <laughs> well, maybe with Charlton Heston's voice, not mine. But yeah, who's Charlton Heston? <laughs> you youngings. Yeah, anyways. I am God. It's his divine name. This name is so important because when Jesus was standing to the Pharisees and he says to him in John 8, 58, before Abraham was born, I am he was identifying with the God of the Old Testament. He is the son of the living God. That's why in John 5, 18, it says they wanted to kill him because he made himself equal with God. So when we praise the Lord, when we praise Yah, we are praising the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God blessed forever. That's why you take foundation so you can understand the truth of the Trinity because it is true because that's who our God is. And that's what hallelujah means. So now the interpretation is clear. Worship is a call for our lives. Worship is a call for our lives. Whew. Isn't it fun to study the Bible? Yes. Oh, you better sign up for foundations. We will hunt you. No, we're not. <laughs> Observation number two. Did you look in the text there? It says that the call to worship the Lord is for all people groups. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. Using those two words there, and us missionaries, we use the term people groups. It's not just about nations. It's about all ethnic groups. In fact, you see it more in G Matthew 28 in the Great Commission when Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. That word nations, there's all ethnos in the Greek, all ethnic groups. All people who say, us is us and them are them. People who are by tribe and by language and by customs. See, there's 195 nations, but there are over 10,000 people groups. I go to Papua New Guinea. That island has over 800 of them. People with different languages and different customs. And all of them are to praise the Lord. Amen. The interpretation is clear. Everyone is to worship the Lord. There's the interpretation. 
Everyone is to worship the Lord. Now we come to the third observation, and this one's good. The re- well, they're all good. It's the word of God. <laughs> the reason for the call to worship is, did you see this? The Lord's character. That's why we worship the Lord, because of who he is. Two great Hebrew words, chesed and amet. It's chesed is loyal love or steadfast love or loving kindness. It's this word. We have trouble putting it in English because it's such a rich word that God is there and he loves you. And it's a love that will never forsake you. And it's usually coupled with this word amet, which means faithfulness. Sometimes it's interpreted as true or translated as truth because truth and faithfulness go together because God is true and he will always be true to his word. That's who our God is. And that's why we worship him. Now I want to go on a rabbit trail because you know, in foundations, I love rabbit trails. So I might as well do it for the whole church. I love preaching to men. I am a man's man. I call out men. I disciple men. I'm always preaching to the men. But I'm going to go on a drive. I want to speak to the women for a minute. Because, you know, women, I want to apologize to you. Because so many of you have been hurt by men. So many of you had men who didn't keep their word. They walked out on you. They left you. They abandoned you. They stuck you. Some of you have been abused horribly by men. My heart aches for you. But unfortunately, there's this lie coming into the church where we're trying to change God from being called father to mother. And we don't want to use male pronouns because we have this hatred for men. And and I'm sorry what happened, but we can't change the truth of who God is. Jesus taught us our father who art in heaven. Jesus used male pronouns. So what I'm saying is quit judging God by the evil that men have done. And let's judge men men by the righteousness of God who will never leave you women. He will never forsake you because of his character, because of his truth. That's why we worship him. So the interpretation is clear. The Lord deserves to be worshiped. God is worthy. And this changes everything. If you came to worship this morning so you could hear some great music and, oh, feel good. I'm going to go out to Denny's after this feeling good about myself. You missed what the point is. You come because he's worthy. He is worthy. He is faithful. He is love. He is love. And he loves us tremendously. A loyal love that will never fail us. You need to get this. I said this in foundation. I want to hear the whole church to hear it. Parents, get this. Parents, get this, okay? So many of your children are falling away. I've seen this with my kids' generation. Why are my kids walking with the Lord? By God's grace, not by us parents, you know? You know and I had just this great experience just this week. My uh, daughter-in-law sent a picture of our 13-year-old grandson, the oldest one, at a worship service at a camp just praising. He was kind of like goofy, like, hallelujah. And I'm like, Christ, this is awesome. But at the same time, I had another grandchild, a little infant, and I called him, I can't say this because people get mad, but it was like a little monster of iniquity. That's what George Whitfield called people who are dead in their sins. This child, you could see the selfishness crying, one in their own way, mine, and throwing fits, and kind of like some adults who are still dead in their sins. That child is born in their sin. They're dead in their sin. But what happened from a child going from that to a child going to worshiping the Lord? They became born again. But here's the key. Here's the key. You don't tell your children, child, I want you to get saved so you can be in heaven with me. Because that's what happens too many times. God, I want you, I mean, child, I want you to be happy. So accept Jesus. So they make it all about them. Well, I guess I should accept Jesus because it's all about me. So I'll say the prayer and I'll get dunked in the baptism. And our parents, we can feel good about ourselves. Then they go off to college and find something better that makes them happier. 
Not better in truth, but better in what makes them happy, the lie they've been taught. What we need to tell our parents is the same thing why we need to do missions. Because God is worthy of my child to praise him. Child, I, you don't, you're not accepting Jesus for you. You're accepting Jesus for him because God is worthy of your praise. That's what it's about. Then when the temptation of college comes, then when the temptation of Howard Street starts calling you and those girls and those guys are looking at you, you say, no, I'm not going to go down that path because I have something greater I'm living for, the glory of God, and that's why I'm going to live in righteousness. Because it's about him, not about us. I told you I was going to get wild. So the application now, so what? So what? Well, this is it. This is real simple. Write it in your notes. Live for Jesus and share his fame to all people. That's what it's all about. If your life is to glorify God, you need to live for Jesus and share his fame. Because you cannot glorify God unless you come through Jesus. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me, John 14, 6. You have to come to the Father through Jesus. And that's how God is glorified, through Jesus. That's why it says there in your notes in uh, Psalm, I mean, Philippians 2, 11, and that every tongue will confess. We just sang it. It was just so great. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. But why? Because it says it right there. To the glory of God the Father. So why do we do missions here at Radiant? Why am I going to get ready to talk about missions and share his fame to all people groups? Because those poor natives need us people to come over and save them. No, because God is worthy of that man and that woman to praise him. God is worthy of their praise. I love the story of the Moravians. If you know anything about the history of the Moravians, these people in Germany coming out of Germany and Count Zinzendorf in the 17, 1600s, and the missions movement, they send out missionaries and radical missionaries. Stories of men and women selling themselves into going into a leper colony where they, when they went in, the door was shut and they never came out because nobody was preaching to the lepers in the colony and they were willing to go in there and preach the gospel. And I love the story of two men. Who you, can, you can actually Google Moravian slavery and, and you'll get these two men who sold themselves into slavery to reach these men and women who were slaves in the Caribbean islands and the slave owners wouldn't let any missionaries come. So the only way they could preach the gospel was by selling themselves into slavery. And their great saying was, as the ship was going out and people were thinking they're crazy, may the world, I'm gonna get it, Google it and find it exactly because I'm doing this off the top of my head. May the lamb receive the praise for his sufferings. Yes. He is worthy of the praise for his sufferings. It's about God and his glory, and that's through Jesus Christ, so we have to live for him. But why? Why are we not there yet? Why are there, why still go in villages that have not heard the gospel? Why have I been in cities that have no church? I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why, and I'm going to call out Radiant, because I am the chief missionary here. I've been here the longest. I've been the missionary supported by Radiant, go out for Radiant. We have only had one and a half missionaries go out of here in eight years. And that's changing today, because God is calling some of you. But why not more? Why not more revival here in Tampa? Why not more people being changed by the radical message of Jesus Christ? Because of 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Listen to this verse. 
For the love of Christ controls us or compels us in some versions because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. No longer live for themselves. What? You might as well say to our culture, two plus two equals five. Everything's about me. I live for myself. I live for my happiness. Haven't you listened to the messages on, on, online by all these preachers? Haven't you seen all the self-help books and all the things that are out there about how it's about to be about my fulfillment, how to find my happiness? This is about me. How can God fix my marriage? How can God fix my finances? How can God make me happy? So now God is a means to my end, which is my happiness, which is called humanism. And we never stop and think, how can God use my finances to glorify him? How can God fix my marriage so that I can glorify God in my marriage? How can God call my child back to him so that he gets the glory? Because it's not about me, it's about his glory. But we don't believe that, church. We can clap, what are we clapping for? This is convicting. Are we really living? Sorry, I'm gonna get in trouble for that one. Clap, everybody clap. I... Sorry, sorry, I lost my mind there. But it kills me that there are people there are people who are dying and lost because they don't know Jesus and they're not giving God the praise he is worthy of. And I'm watching people here living for their selfish self and they're so unhappy and miserable in doing it and there's something greater. There's the glory of God. What greater thing is there to live for? So we gotta quit living for ourselves. Now you thought that was intense. Wait till I go to the next verse. Matthew 28, Jesus said, why do we make Jesus famous? Because Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Don't make disciples just of your neighbors, just of your friends. Do that, and we're going to talk about that in a second, but of all the nations. This is a command. The command literally in the Greek there, and you'll learn this in foundations, is make disciples. And the participles modifying how you do it is by going, by baptizing, by teaching and all that. But you are called, you are commanded by Jesus to make disciples. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, John 14, 15. So let me just ask you, church, all campuses, if you've been a Christian for more than five or four or five years, have you made a disciple? If not, then you're a disobedient Christian. And that's why there's not more revival in Tampa or in St. Pete, or in Brandon, or in North Tampa, or Clearwater, or Heights, South Tampa. Because we've been disobedient to the command. Well, how do I make disciples? Well, there's no formula, but I'll tell you what, we do at Radiant, and here's what I'm gonna say. If you've never been discipled, go to Foundations. Go, start there, go to Foundations, make a commitment, sign up when it comes up in the fall, and say you wanna be a disciple and you want to make disciples, and you're going to start there, and you will get a foundation for your faith. You'll learn more than the average Christian going through foundations. Well, I've been through foundations. What am I supposed to do next? I'm glad you asked. Why don't you lead a table and now become a disciple maker? Right. Now, when I say lead a table, I'm not just saying, like, hey, let's get together on Wednesday and have the best food. You know, ooh, that's great. But I'm saying be a real disciple maker. We're like, you actually call them during the week. Hey, how are you doing? How's your lesson going? Hey, why don't we grab coffee? How's things going in your life? And discipleship is simply what's written on the wall at South Tampa, moving people from where they are to where God wants them to be. Amen. And God wants to use you to do that. Yes. 
So there's a simple way we do it here at Radiant. And then once you do it here, you can start doing it over there. But don't think you're going to be a missionary or an effective one if you're making disciples if you don't do it here. Man, I'm, I'm so excited as we're going to just ramp it up here at Radiant. We are ramping up missions here at Radiant. I mean, it's been good, but it's going great. Because what I've been hearing some feedback is from some of our people is like, man, you know, we got some people coming over here and they've never even prayed before. Like, well, if you don't pray here, what are you trying to do it over there? Are you just want a vacation? Take a vacation overseas. I support that. But you want to say you went on a missions trip? Then you should only do over there what you're doing here. Now, we're going to set up some boot camps where you can do that. We're going to make you miserable. Because I'm a missionary, and I'm telling you, every good missionary has a bathroom story. And I got a couple. But that's for another message. Why? Why am I so passionate about making disciples of all the nations starting here in Tampa and spreading throughout? Because that's the end of the game. That's the end game. Look at Revelation 7, 9, and 10. People from every tribe and nation and tongue and language are going to be standing before the throne saying, to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the lamb. I'm mixing verses, Revelation 5, 9 and 10, and Revelation 7, 9 and 10. They say basically the same thing. Praise to God and his son, the lamb, from all tribe, tongues, and nations. So what are we doing to help fulfill this? Well, there's some things you can do, and here's your action plan. Because, man, I'm going professor mode on you now. I'm almost to the Pentecostal part. First thing, everybody can pray. Everyone can pray. The Lord said, look, Jesus says, John 4, look at the fields. They are white for harvest. Beseech or ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. We need to be praying to raise up more workers. You can do this by literally downloading. I got some things there. You can download the Joshua Project app. I have that app. It comes up every day. Every day I get a little ding at five in the morning when I get up. It's going bing, and it tells me an unreached people group I can pray for. I was praying for a group I can't even pronounce in China today, but there's over a million people and less than 1% Christian. And I started praying, Lord, send workers. Send those Han Chinese into this unreached people group that helped them plant churches there. And I'm beseeching the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Go to changethenet.com and go to changethemap.net. One of our own missionaries, Josh and Tanya Jacks, helped lead this. And they've got this cool app and you can watch these videos where they, they're trying to get 50,000 people to pray for the Buddhist world. Why don't we knock that number down to 40,000 because 10,000 radiant people are committed to praying to see people's lives change through the gospel because God is worthy of their praise. What about your missionaries? Do you know, even know who our missionary is? Get together with your leaders. Find out who our missionaries are. Find your own missionaries and pray for them. Because nothing happens without prayer. I was meeting with a guy for lunch this week and I started telling him about one of my trips. He goes, yeah, I get your newsletter, man. I've been praying for you. Man, I got teary. I literally, I can't do this on my own. Missionaries can't do this on their own. You know, you think, oh, Dr. Doug, he's so smart. He can go in. I'm a failure over there without the Lord. Degrees, knowledge means nothing. The spirit means everything. And the spirit comes through prayer. Everybody can pray. Most people can give. Most of you have discretionary income. I know you got to get the 26 pair of shoes or you got to buy the new golf club because it's going to make you now get on the tour. You know, I'm calling it out. You know, you're wasting your money on things that are going to burn in the end when Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
you gotta be honest with yourself. Are you storing up treasures in heaven? Now, it's very clear. The first percent goes to your church. Don't give to missions first. Give to your church because you build into your local church. When you give to the Radiant, you're giving to missions because we support missions. So you want to double dip. This is a great place to do it. Now, you notice I have it there. You blank. You percentage. Now, most of you think tie 10%, but I don't believe that. I'm, I'm not legalistic. You have the freedom in Christ to give 15% if you want or 20%. <laughs> Most time people blast me about tithing is because they want to be cheap with God. But how do you store up treasures? Well, you support missions. You got his discretionary funds. Do you think Jesus is up there going, oh, you didn't take that exotic vacation, but instead you gave it to help advancing my name and fame around the world. So I get praise from those people. What are you doing with your money? Why don't you spend it on yourself? Do you think you're going to hear that at the end? Or do you think you're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful slave? You sowed into the eternal kingdom, and I'm going to reward you greatly. And then last, some can go. Some can go. Some of you have been disobedient because you've been living for your happiness. You want the comfortable American dream, and you're so unhappy. And I love it because God's not going to let you be happy until you answer the call he has on your life. Some of you can go. Some of you, doesn't have to be some wild mission. Just go teach English overseas. Some of you got degrees and you got debt. Get out of debt and go teach overseas. They'll pay your debt while you're learning cross-cultural experience. Now, let me explain something. Not everyone's a missionary. Okay, you taking inviting somebody over to Tijuana Flats across the street and saying like, hey, I want to talk to you. You're not a missionary, okay? You're just being a faithful Christian. When you go cross-cultural and you have to learn another language, when you're like we did, we had to have our kids crying, have our kids going through horrible situations, suffering. I mean, that's missions, okay? And your bathroom story, right? There you go. That's mission. Don't think everyone's a missionary. Some are called to go and the rest are called to pray and give. But some of you are caught and you've been a disobedient. Some of my heroes are Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of the famous preachers in the 1950s, and Hudson Taylor, one of the famous missionaries who started the China Inland Missions and started revival of missions in the 1800s. You know what they both had in common? They were medical doctors with promising careers. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones studied under the Royal Academy of Physicians in London and was on the staff of the royal family. Think of the prestige he could have had, but he gave it up for the kingdom of God. Why am I so passionate about this? Because just recently I was in this cave. I was going down into this cave that was all these idols. It was so demonic. I mean, you just felt the oppression. People who are under bondage, living in fear. They're not giving God the praise he deserves, but they're in bondage. And you go down in this cave, you see these idols all around. And at the bottom, there's people weeping and giving money and food and praying before these statues, these idols. And it broke my heart saying, God deserves their praise. Who's going to help them? And then in the midst of this, I look over, there's a tent. There's like an REI tent in the middle of this cave. Like, what's this doing here? And I asked, what's this? And they said, oh, one of the monks has been living in that for the last five months. I mean, I'm thinking I'm going to get something in my disease breathing in 15 minutes. And this guy's living He's sacrificing for his false God. He's willing to give up everything and live in this austere, horrible place and lifestyle for his God. And yet we won't get out of our comfort zone for the glory of God. What is wrong with us, church? He is worthy. The lamb is worthy. Are you willing to live for Jesus's fame and to share his glory around the world starting here? 
and I realize there's something missing. There's something missing. Look at this next picture. People are worshiping before that. They live in fear and bondage. Do you think I'm going to set those people free with my good apologetic arguments? I mean, I got a doctorate in apologetics, the defense of the faith. Do you think I'm going to go over there and win them with my great knowledge? Do you think I'm going to be able to survive living in those kind of conditions? Our missionaries who are living over there in these cross-cultural, very difficult places where if you see a convert, I've had friends who literally have had to run away because their father had pulled out a gun and tried to kill them because they became a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you think that's just going to happen because we're cool and we're hip and we got the latest technology to win people? No. And here's what's missing. And it goes with missions. It's found in Acts 1.8. And it's the last, one of the last words Jesus said before he left. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that's where mission starts. Once you receive that power, because then you're going to be his witness in Jerusalem, Tampa, Judea and Samaria, Florida and the United States, and to the ends of the earth. But it starts with power. And I'm finding we have too many people at Radiant. We have a whole thing at this in foundations. Go to it to learn more. But I want to call it out now. We have too many Christians who are not filled with the Holy Spirit. They're not baptized with the Holy Spirit. They're not living in the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're living lives of quiet desperation because they've never given their lives and surrender to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because let me tell you, you've gotten some bad teaching here. Like, we're going to have some service and I'm going to lay my hands on you. And now you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He can do that, but maybe not. Because the power of the Holy Spirit comes when God wants to give it. There's only one requirement, that you're willing to surrender all for him. That you're willing to empty yourself so he can fill you with the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're going to do that. We're going to go back into worship. And whether you're filled with the Holy Spirit, now let's not get off. Like, oh, he spoke in tongues. He fell down. He twirled around. He brought out the banners and ran around the gym. He got the tambourine. You know, woo! Because that's what some of you think. And you don't have power to actually live the radical Christian life here in Tampa. Because you don't have the power. Because you've never said, Lord, I'm done living for myself. I'm living for your fame. I'm living for your glory. I give it all. I surrender. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to manufacture anything. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to say those words as we worship. Because, man, I know those. I've been to all the campuses. I travel. My wife and I travel to every camp. I know the worship at all the campuses, how awesome it is. And we're going to go back into worship. But we're not going to do this. No, we're going to worship to the glory of God because he deserves it, not for us, to him. And during that worship time, I want you to have a moment where you say, Lord, I, you can have it all. I'm open. I want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to be used by you if that means going overseas or if that means talking to my coworker. Whatever it means, I want to start making disciples who make disciples because I want you to be glorified because you are worthy, because you are the one who gives us hope. You are the one we sing all hail King Jesus because you are worthy. I am willing to surrender it all. So all of us, let's stand to our feet, all the campuses. Let's go and let's get serious. No more living for ourselves but live for the one who is worthy, Jesus in his fame, because he will bring us to the glory of the Father. Let us worship him with reckless abandon. There's hope. Come on, lift your voice. There's hope, say. There's hope in the morning. Hope in the evening.
some praise. Ah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in this place. After a message like that, we cannot let the moment pass for those people in this room that need to start a relationship with God, or if you're unsure if you have a relationship with God, like Dr. Doug said. So we just want to take a moment right now. Saying yes to God is the best thing you could possibly do. And all the things that he has for you in your life are beyond your wildest dreams. But in order to say yes to all of that, you have to say yes to the very first and most important decision. And that's being in a relationship with him. You see, God wants to do amazing things with your life. He wants to take you places you've never dreamed of, to interact with people you never thought you'd be able in relationship with. But there's a problem and that sin holds us back from that. Every single one of us in this room have to deal with the issue of sin. Me, you, it doesn't matter your background, who you are, where you've been, but God has an answer for that. And that's through Jesus. Jesus died for you. He took on your sin and he put that away forever if you will just accept this gift. So he makes it very easy for us. He says two things. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's it. That's salvation. And that's where all of the yeses for the rest of your life can start. So if that's you right now and you online, just asking you to quiet your hearts right now. So if we could all just bow our heads. I'm gonna give you that opportunity right now to accept this free gift of salvation. I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand at the count of three. Remember one, God loves you. Two, he has an incredible plan for your life. And three, if that's you, just slip your hand in the air so that we can see that and celebrate with you. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Hands in the room. If that's you, do not let this moment go by. Raise your hand right now if that's you. Thank you, Lord. You see the gifts and the hands in the room. And now we're going to do that part where we confess with our mouths and everybody's going to pray this prayer together. So join with me. Today, I make a decision to follow you. Forgive me of all my sins, my past, my present, and my future. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. I choose to live for you all the rest of the days of my life. You be my Lord and be my Savior. And in Jesus' name, come on, South Tampa, in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Let's celebrate with these people who made the most important decision they ever could. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.